0: my advice is first to look at home and when i say look at home i mean look in your life what what are you already doing every day what industries do you know really well what what passions do you have in the world right you are going to be much better at finding a problem that you can solve if you understand already the area that you're trying to solve it in so if you're somebody who is a mom and you know a bunch of moms and you're sitting around chatting with them, you should be listening for what's a big problem that they all have that nobody's solved and what solutions are out there. Why aren't that point where you're like, am I really doing this again today? And it's like, yep, I, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the prize and that is enough to keep
1: Okay, you feeling the vibe? Because I am definitely feeling the vibe. And today's guest on Dr. D's social network is Cynthia Delaria. Cynthia and I had what I would call an extremely fun, informative, and out there conversation, almost existential and like. And I love it. Love having conversations like that. You know, Cynthia has done a lot of work in uh, the startup industry and working in tech. And uh, She's been highly successful, but I tell you, what's even better is just her wonderful personality, her attitude, and her ability to really talk about anything. So you're going to love this episode. Check out my conversation with Cynthia Delaria. with me i like this you're working with me glitches the whole thing you know it's
0: it's all good it's all good what else is there
1: i don't know we're maybe in the matrix so there's all types of glitches going oh my on.
0: gosh that's so funny I we just re-watched those movies like over the weekend
1: are you serious
0: yeah i hadn't seen them in probably a good eight or nine years and we were like hey let's re-watch those so we watched all three of them
1: really <laughs> you watch all three yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies. Actually, I'm really big. I do too.
0: Movies. I forgot how good they really were.
1: It's actually so. a weird parallel. Like sometimes it feels like we're like we're in the Matrix. Like, is this life mm-hmm. real? I mean, yeah,
0: totally, totally. Especially with COVID and yeah, all the all the jazz that's been going down for this year. You're kind of like, is this some big social experiment? Am I being yeah. punked?
1: Is 2020 the Matrix sequel? Is that yeah. what this is? <laughs> <laughs> I know they're making a sequel. I saw they're making another one.
0: Are they Which, really?
1: Yeah, the same characters. I don't. I, I although I don't know how they're going to bring back like Carrie Ann Moss, Keanu Reeves. Uh, I
0: yeah, I mean, like they they died. They can't. They're really bring dead. Back. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's the it's Hollywood. They just there's some weird thing they'll do. You know. <laughs> It's just weird. Maybe they'll look like me. So you saw me briefly on video. You saw the blonde and you saw what was yeah. happening.
0: <laughs>
1: I liked it. I liked it. Thanks. And you have blue. Is that what you said?
0: Yeah. It, like I said, it, I get it done about every eight to 10 weeks. And so it's mostly faded right now, but usually you know, the hole underneath and some of the top part of my hair is some form of Fun color, so literally my appointment is tomorrow.
1: <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, how did you decide to start doing that?
0: Um. Well, it actually. So the first time I did it was probably like six or seven years ago on a dare. My fiance was like, <laughs> "Hey, you're you're uh, you're getting your hair done. You should just get blue." And I was like, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, you know, at that time I I worked uh, with uh, American express and some other big corporations. And, you know, so when you walk into a corporate office with blue hair, that can be kind of questionable. Right. Um, And uh, (laughs) so I was like, (laughs) well, it's not anymore. That's I'll I'll say that for, for, you know, moving forward. But, Mm -hmm. um, and so he said it like three hair appointments in a row. And I was like, quick, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's crazy. And he was like, I think you should. Well, so I called his bluff. I, I, cause I figured he was going to be like, Oh my God, you really did that. That's crazy. What were you thinking? (laughs) And so I went to my stylist and uh, I was like six or seven years ago. And I was like, okay, David keeps pestering me about having about, he wants me to have blue hair. So let's do some blue hair. So we did. And I came home with blue hair and literally he was like, huh yeah I really like that and then that was it and I was like yeah oh so ever since then you know I started out just doing like a, a couple like small chunks underneath where I could kind of hide it if I needed to <laughs> and then I just kind of got more and more bold and you know with COVID I mean I'm on on a computer all day anyway so yeah I was like you know what let's just like the whole bottom half of my hair let's just do it
1: <laughs> wow I love that so that's yeah, incredible it's that is it's really fun. cool. Wow. Yeah. I love altering my look. Like I've had this for a couple years, but I am like getting more aggressive by the second. All you know, these lines <laughs> yeah, totally. and I, I cut my own hair and everything. So it's like all like all crazy and stuff. Good for
0: I, you because that looked really good for you doing it yourself.
1: You know what? I used to go to get my hair cut in Canada because I live right on the border of uh, Canada. I'm like a mile from, you know, I'm in Washington state. Yep. Yep. And I would go there and I was like, this is so awesome. I get some lunch, get my hair cut. And then when this they closed the border down, I was like, I'm screwed, man. Uh, I'm screwed. And I learned how to cut my hair on my own on YouTube. <laughs> <So>.
0: Yeah. <laughs> YouTube will yeah. teach you anything. Anything. I mean, literally, I am learning that there is nothing you can't figure out how to do if you're willing to go to YouTube and watch videos and figure it out. I mean- yeah. That's crazy. Welcome to 2020. You
1: can ask the internet anything at this point. That's right. People have put their lives on there and how to do stuff. My wife was like, how do I sharpen our knives? I was like, I don't know. Just go on the internet and look it up. I was,
0: yeah, I asked Dr. Did. Google.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and she was doing it. She's like, this is not that bad. I'm like, I mean, wh- why are you asking me? I don't know. <laughs> How would I know? Um, I don't. I don't do that work. Um, <laughs> do you ever get into? Have you ever been on a podcast where you talk about your hair for the first five minutes?
0: Um, not in the first five minutes, but this is this is cool. I'm good.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really like you know jumping in and not like, hey, welcome to my podcast. Let's start talking about your startup ventures. And I mean, yeah, I want to talk totally. about it, but like, you know, I like. I need. I need. Uh, I just don't jump in right away, okay? You have yeah, to ply me with you. wine and stuff.
0: <laughs> like, that's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> I can't I be it. persuaded so easily, okay?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, it's great. I mean, you know, rapport and People, I mean, yeah. that's the thing is I feel like people are always asking me, yeah, 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 I heard you on the podcast and you like briefly mentioned this thing. Tell me more about that. And it's like the Husky Rescue that I'm on the board of or whatever, you know, like they want to know more about my life. And, you know, cause that's interesting. That's, that's, that's what makes people who they are. Right.
1: Yeah, I so. think so. I mean, your startup stuff, we're going to get into it. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's just, <laughs> You know, I, I, we're not gonna say I love you the minute we meet, and we're like, all right, let's get into this, you know. Like, like
0: <laughs> we got a date before we, we get. We got to date a little bit, I
1: like the dance. I, I like dancing, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, I'm a big dancer. I love to dance, like get it going, you know, party. I and there's that. more. To, right. There's more to you than just the the ventures you've done, the startups, and all the things you're known for. I'm sure you know this husky thing. That sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is. Actually, um, we've had all these fires, so. I'm on the board of a Husky Rescue and we rescue so we, we rescue the worst of the worst. So Huskies are a very, very special breed, super stubborn, um, much like myself. And they're not easy to train because of it. You really have to. I mean, it's sort of like you're saying you're you're like, oh, I, I want to warm it up. I want to get to know you. Like, let's date a little bit. Yeah, that's how Huskies are. They don't just love all humans. They're like, are you a good human? Right. Are you a respect worthy human? Are you going to earn my respect? Do you understand that I'm not just a robot? You know, like they're they're looking for all of this from you and the deciding in any moment whether or not they're going to give you respect or not, you know, based on whether or not you respect them and all the things. And so they're very, very difficult to rehome when they're in a rescue situation or if they have a behavioral issue, because people rarely want to take the time to work with them and, and to, and to, you know, do the work to build the relationship that allows you to actually set new boundaries with a Husky. So we actually do um, pack therapy with, uh, with our rescues Mm. where we have a permanent pack Um, and the permanent pack actually trains incoming dogs, how to be dogs again. And so they do a lot of the initial work and then the humans, you know, support with, you know, teaching you how to be a dog around a human and, and respecting human boundaries and, and understanding the cues of humans. Right. And, uh, so we, uh, anyway, it's, it's phenomenal work and I love doing it, but I was up there on, um. Uh, I was up on Thursday, no, Friday afternoon, doing work, uh, working with some dogs and cleaning up and doing that kind of stuff. And the fires in Colorado are really, really bad. And I know you guys have had them on the East coast yeah. or on the West coast too. And you know, they're, they're just like, it seems like everywhere's on fire. Um, but we had a reprieve for a little while where it wasn't quite so bad and so um, we all kind of got used to just being able to be out and do stuff and whatever. So I'm outside and I'm cleaning, cleaning stuff and, you know, moving dogs between kennels and walking dogs and whatever. And I, it, the smoke had just gotten bad enough again on Friday afternoon that by the time I got home, my lungs felt so constricted mm. and I had a horrible headache for like two days.
1: <laughs> just yeah. like,
0: uh. oh, this is awful. So... Um, so yeah, so we're, we're back to that, but, um, but yeah, the, the dogs are amazing. Dogs are amazing. I and
1: love so dogs. you've always had dogs or been involved with this or.
0: Oh yeah. I, I've, uh, from the time I can remember, we've always had dogs in our family. And then, you know, my first dog was a Husky and that would have been 15 years ago. Um, that was my first dog that I ever got on my own. And I did a bunch of research before I got her because, you know, you hear stories about how different dogs are for different people. Right. Yeah. Um, and so people were like, Oh, Huskies are really hard. And I was like, okay, well, I better do some research. And like the personality fit between me and a Husky is just, it's like perfect, right? Like we're stubborn and independent, but we still kind of want to be loved, but on our own terms. And I'm like, Oh, that's totally me. It's perfect. So. So, yeah, so I I got my first Husky and she was amazing. Her name was Isis. And uh, after the Egyptian goddess of immortality and um, she was amazing and she was literally my soulmate. And uh, I then about two years after I got her, I got her um, a pal. And uh, so that was my second Husky and her name was uh, Venus. And she was just a little complete love bug. I mean, she just was so sweet tempered and so loved everybody. You know, she was very gregarious and very outgoing and, and just super sweet. And, um, the two of them passed away in 2016 and then 2018 or not 2017. And, um, and so I was like, Oh, well maybe, maybe I won't get any more dogs. I mean, they were kind of my soulmates and, you know, I don't know how you beat that, right? Right. Um, yeah. No. Now I have three.
1: Oh, <laughs> you got a lot of energy going on now. No, uh, no more, but three. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, three is plenty. I think if I brought one wow. more home, David might kill me.
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and I, you know, oh. I'm taken by the names of these dogs. It's very. I've had dogs forever, and like, but art, my dogs always have like funny human names, like Bob. And George and stuff like that. <laughs> I love that. You know, I love it's that. like my the first dog adult dog ever had, his name was Bob. And he was like saying he was like my soulmate. He was like the best. Oh, and he passed yeah. away pretty early. He was only eight. He had twisted gut. Oh, and no. uh he passed away actually while we were on vacation and he was getting watched. Which was particularly oh, I'm so painful.
0: Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. That's not good. I'm sorry. Oh
1: man. He was like the best. He was a gigantic golden retriever. He was a hundred pounds. Huge wow. golden retriever.
0: And his name was Bob. He was
1: Bob. He was like a mutant. But he oh. was like the best. And when he passed away, I cried so hard. Like, oh. it would like broke me for like a week. Yeah, I don't think people get that. If you don't have dogs, it's hard to know. Like my parents are like, what is wrong with you? Like, it's just a dog. And then they got a dog and their dog passed away and it was, they were destroyed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, now we get it.
1: Get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was what when, uh, when Isis passed away, cause she was, she was the the first one and sort of the one. And when she passed away, I mean, it's been it'll be five years in February since she died. And, um, I still, every now and then somebody will mention something about her and I'll start talking about her and I'll get choked up.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: just thinking about just her little face and how we used to hang together and just, you know, she was my buddy. Yeah. So yeah, that was, and, and sometimes I'll look at my dogs now. So, Uh, Speaking of names, so my oldest, her name is Panda, Panda Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) And whenever she's doing something like silly or she's being like super bossy to the other dogs, we call her Mandy. (laughs) Mandy, nice. (laughs) And she knows that's like the whatever. She gets super huffy. It's really funny. And then uh, my uh, middle dog, his name is Soen, which is the Inuit word for Halloween, because he's got uh. like these these eyes and this little diamond on his forehead, and it makes him look like a jack o' lantern in his wow. face. So he's he's really adorable. And um, and then my youngest, her name is Freya, and that is the uh, goddess. The uh, Freya was Odin's wife, and so she's the Norse goddess of war and death.
1: <laughs> okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> There's something going on with you, and like
0: yes, you
1: know Egyptian names. Norse guides, take me yep. through this because I'm very into this. I'm totally tracking with you.
0: <laughs> well, the name of something is really important, I think. You know, what you name something. I mean, sometimes you can you can look at at, at a at a kid and go, "Yeah, you are you fit your name really, really well," right? Yeah. And so, um I've rarely picked names for dogs before I've met them. Um, but sometimes you just know like Isis when she was like three weeks old, when I met her the first time and I didn't even know she was going to be my dog. Um, because when I went, they hadn't sort of allocated everybody in the litter to the people on the wait list yet. And I got her when she was a puppy. And, uh, so I didn't know who was mine or who wasn't or whatever. And, and, uh, and when I was, she, she kind of toddled over, and started chewing on my shoelace. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. And uh, just something about her, I was like, whoever gets her should name her Isis. And they were like, oh, that's a really pretty name. Why? And I was like, I don't know why. I just, I think that's her name. And so then when it all kind of came out in the wash, she was the one who ended up coming home with me. And I was like, did you do that on purpose? And the breeder was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, mm this is the one that's supposed to be named Isis. And she was like, oh, I forgot about that. It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, your name is Isis and you're meant to be with me. So, um, but but I always, I love the the names of, of gods, right? So Greek gods or Roman gods or... Um, uh, Norse gods or whatever, just because they, they have meaning in them and it's meaning that you can look up and, and there's like mythology there. Right. And so it's kind of, it's kind of fun to, you know, imagine your dog is like a warrior or a princess or a goddess or something like that, you know? And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's just I, I just I like it. I
1: don't know. I'm gonna know <laughs> something strange if the next three are like Morpheus Neo and like, you know, like I know how to bring stuff back, man.
0: That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've yes. worn me down. We've done you know, I, I'm I'm ready to talk about startups. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. Well, well,
1: before we get in that, see, okay, maybe I need another, another drink. Okay, uh, so okay, yeah, let me so,
0: buy, let me buy you another round. another
1: round <laughs> of this version of conversation. So, before we jump into that, what's been your take on this year? I think you've probably heard this other, but this entire year, we're almost, we're heading down towards the end. Give me a kind of sum, summarize your thoughts and feelings on it.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's been really interesting. I mean, you know, obviously there's been really extreme weather patterns in a lot of different parts of the world, you know, a global pandemic, global health crisis, um, which has, you know, had economic impacts and, and, you know, some would say spiritual impacts and whatever, you know, I, what's, what I find really interesting is someone shared with me that at the end of July and beginning of August, we, we have these different measures of like periods of time. Okay. And some of them are like, you know, we measure a day or we measure a month or we measure a year or we measure 10 years or we measure a hundred years, you know, like, and, and there's, there's these kind of natural um, I'm using the word Epic, not in terms of like an, a global Epic, but like a, um, there's, there's these natural segmentations or cycles is the word I'm looking for. There it is. There's these natural cycles like where, you know, the, the planets are aligned in a particular way and, and there's time periods or, or millennia that come to an end or whatever. And, and what's interesting is someone was telling me that at the end of July, beginning of August was the first time in something like 7,000 years or 9,000 years or something where a bunch of these different cycles ended at the same time. So the beginning of the beginning into the middle of 2020 has been all about endings I feel like. You mm-hmm. know and and I mean even in my in my personal life, you know, uh the company that we'll talk about, you know, in a little bit whenever you're ready. Yeah, we got to be ready for this. Thing. <laughs> You gotta be ready. Um, the we did a bunch of restructuring at the beginning of the year, and it meant, you know, some owners were bought out and are no longer part of the company, and and some employees left, and you know, unrelated to the pandemic, actually, which I thought was kind of interesting that the timing kind of again all coincided. So so there's this space of time where energetically in the universe in the world, you know, with time and all this stuff. There's this natural closing of all of these cycles that usually never overlap. I mean, it almost never happens like this, and then the new version of all of these things starts. So it'll be another seven thousand years or whatever it was that they that this person was saying before they all start, you know, end and start over in sync again, right? So I feel like the opportunity is one we're seeing that all of our constructs about control and all of our constructs about what does stability mean and what is security and how do we know we have it, they're made up. They're not real because they can be changed in a moment, in an instant. I mean, that from the time when COVID was no different than SARS or whatever else to us and we didn't really think about it you know it was out there doing its thing but we had faith in the system to so the time when we were all on lockdown was such a short period of time and in that period of time a lot of people lost their security their stability their perception of control or something sure something certain right and so i feel like that opportunity to, to view the world and our own world and what security and stability and freedom really means to us is really, really important. And that's the opportunity of this year, because on the other side of this is what is new and what is getting created out of the completion and ending of the thing that came before, you know, so it's probably not an accident, The amount of political upheaval and the amount of cultural and civil upheaval that's going on right now, because people really are questioning and human beings are not great with change. We just aren't. You know, we, we 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 don't seek out change on a regular basis for the most part, you know, and so watching people deal with a level of change that's not just surface level, but it's shaken them to their very core of who am I and why am I here? And am I safe? And how do I, you know, is my survival at risk, right? What it's no, no, um, coincidence to me that that is driving up all of the cultural and almost genetic level things that we've just accepted as so for millennia, you know, million hundred thousands hundred thousands of years as humans on the planet, more depending on your, your religious beliefs or, you know, evolutionary beliefs or whatever. And so I just think this is a, this is, it, it can either be viewed as like a huge tragedy Or it can be viewed as an amazing opportunity to choose and reinvent who we are right now in the moment and figure out we always have that opportunity in any moment to reinvent who we are, to make different choices or think differently or question why we believe what we believe, you know, because oftentimes we just get in a rhythm and we just go along with things the way that they are. And we're just content to do that. and maybe that's fine and maybe that's good. And sometimes that's okay, but sometimes there's something better or something bigger or something more that we're called towards and it's being called forth from us as part of our purpose on the planet. And we're just missing it because we're complacent or we're not, you know, we're not forced into thrust into change the way that we have been. So for me, I see it as an opportunity to look at myself and examine why why do I believe the things I believe and why am I the way that I am? And, am have my commitments changed, you know, who do I want to be in the world and how do I want to serve people? And, you know, who do I have to show up as to do that effectively? You know? So I don't know. That's, that's kind of very woo woo.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to tell you my exact thoughts about this, Cynthia.
0: How, how many times did know. you,
1: how many times did you watch the matrix over the weekend? I'm seriously, I
0: mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, Literally, literally, we just watched it the one time. David and my fiance, he was like, oh, I, uh, my niece wanted to play, play a board game. And I was like, I'd be down for a board game. And David's like, oh, I'm just, I just want to sort of like zone out and not think. And that sounds like a lot of work. And I was like, all right, well, and so we started <laughs> looking through and there it was. And I was like, we haven't watched that forever. And so it really wasn't, I don't know.
1: <laughs> this whole your whole answer reminded me of that entire three movie arc. Literally.
0: Isn't that funny? If you think
1: about it, they okay. I'm I'm gonna blow your mind, man. <laughs> like,
0: okay, good yeah, blow my mind. About this,
1: like you're talking about people questioning what they believe on this one thing ends and then maybe another. That's literally the matrix. Is Yeah, Morpheus you're actually right. <laughs> finding Neo, right, and the computer. Right. And he's like and, and, you know, the red pill, blue pill, you yep. take this, you will wake up in your bed, you take this, you will be basically vaulted into the real world for that. Yeah. And you're questioning. And yeah. then the whole thing with their, uh, listen, people, if you haven't watched Matrix, sorry, I'm spoiling it. It's been out for like 20 plus years I think at this point. Totally. But, yeah, you should have
0: watched it by now. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> I mean, streaming, everything, you know, but yeah. <laughs> their whole thing of Zion, the last city and the... Machines coming in there and the last stand and a new beginning. It
0: almost feels like
1: that's what we're doing at this point. It's
0: totally true. I didn't even think about that, but you're totally right. It is is literally, we've been comfortable and complacent. You know, in the matrix that was, you know, machines living off of us and creating a reality Mm. that made it easy for them to harness power from us there's lots of parallels you could draw to that in, in the modern world that aren't machine, but human created, you know? So it's actually really interesting. I never thought of it that way. You are kind of blowing my mind right now. I'm telling so, you, it's like, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's the whole thing. And it's just like questioning what you believe. And and then there's this whole thing between these two things. It's the machines versus the humans. And and you can argue that this has become politics, in many ways, in our country, this has become oh, yeah. social, cultural, ideology, and all these yes. things. And Pete, there's just big. There's this is big buildup to almost this crescendo, which could be happening very soon. We never yes. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, you never know. And, you know.
1: and what is that? What is that new reality? So take me through. How does that translate into what you're seeing in the startup business space and what we believe to be true in that space and what may be coming in that space?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really great question. So one of the things that I find really interesting. So first of all, recessions, economic crises, uh, big layoff events are actually some of the most creative times in you know, in an economy or, or, or in someone's life, because like I was saying there, that stability has been rocked. And so people are now like, I'm hearing it all the time. They're saying to me, well, you know, I, I never did, I never really pursued this before. Cause I sort of had my full-time job and it was really stable. And I felt like, eh, I'll get around to building this, my idea, you know, someday, right. Maybe, maybe someday, but not now. And, um, And they're like, now I find myself with all this time on my hands and it's harder to get a job right now. And so if I got to be doing something, I might as well be working on something that maybe prevents me from being able to be laid off in the future. The next time something like this happens, right? Because if I build a company or whatever. And so the other thing about startups during a recession or a downtime is people are solving the problems that are in front of them most of the time. And so a lot of the businesses that get built and products that get designed and, and problems that get solved during a period like this are then themselves recession-proof businesses the next time this rolls around. That's what's so crazy. Right. So um, so I, I love time periods like this from, from that perspective because although people are, you know on some level worried about survival and maybe they're dealing with financial issues or whatever, on another level, their creativity gets really, really sparked. And you see some really cool stuff start to come to the forefront um, in, in terms of people's creativity and their inventive powers and their innovative powers. And uh, so it, it's, it's really fun. The thing that I would, that that is part of my path and my mission in life with regard to this is if you think about starting like a, I'm, I'm using the word traditional business to describe like a brick and mortar or a retail space or a restaurant or a, a salon or something like that, right? Like something in the, in the non-digital world that requires a fairly hefty capital investment. Most of the time, what you're doing when you're building that, you know, getting that business like that off the ground is you're building a business plan. You're proving out your market, you're, you know, figuring out product market fit, making sure that you're picking a good location. If you're getting a physical space, like whatever that is, because you have to take all of that information and that validation work to whoever's going to loan you the money, like a bank or whatever to purchase your space, you know, purchase your cap, your, uh, your, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, Like your equipment and all that kind of stuff. Right. So what happens, we see all over the business world, people doing the work to validate their idea and validate their business because they have to prove to someone else that it's going to work in order to get the money they need to go actually do the thing. In technology, there's this very weird dynamic, a very strange phenomenon, which is that people for some reason feel very confident going from idea To hiring a software developer, which would be the equivalent of, you know, it's implementation. It's actually like building out your salon, doing the renting and building your salon, right? They feel very comfortable going straight to that point without really thinking about whether or not there is a market or what does that market look like or doing any of that sort of internal validation work. Maybe it's because tech is so accessible. Maybe it's because we we only hear the stories about the tech unicorns. You know, we, I don't yeah. I don't really see news stories or or publications about all of the thousands of startups that fail every year. You know, <laughs> maybe no, I never if see they that did either. publish, I know, right? Maybe if they did publish, them, more people would be like, "Huh, I don't want that to be me." But I, I spend a lot of time educating people that if you don't do that work, you're putting yourself and your money and whatever work you do, getting to to the place where you actually have the ability to sell to someone, that is at much greater risk if you're not considering all of the variables before you go in. And so my hope is that because of the way kind of things have gone down, I would love if there was more social socialization of traditional validation and traditional market research and more, more of this, you know, doing the work before you jump right into the implementation into the tech world, you know, because I, I work with tech companies, that's what I do. And the number of times I hear stories where, You know, somebody spends $250,000 or $500,000 and five years of their life trying to get this thing off the ground, only to have nothing to show for it at the end. That's entirely a preventable story. But not if you go straight from, hey, I had this idea to now I need to hire a software developer. Like there's a whole bunch of other stuff you have to do in there. And the thing about software developers, they, will build great things. They'll build whatever you ask them for in, in most cases. They won't ask you whether you should be building it or not, though. Right. <laughs> you have to do that work for yourself. You have to be the one to ask that question. You know? So if, if if I would love to see that turn into more of a trend coming out of the other side of this where, you know, it's it's not that tech has to be like traditional business in you know, the ways that matter in terms of you have to have a butt in a chair in order to get work done. That, that doesn't matter to me, but actually doing the work to validate what you want to do and make sure that it's not, you know, a waste of time or money. And that if you need to pivot, you know what that pivot looks like before you spend a bunch of money, you can never get back. You know, um, I just would love to see more of that validation come into, the startup world because a lot of people would save a lot of money and a lot of heartache and more people would probably try again as entrepreneurs too yeah. you know sounds so. a lot
1: like a pair the parallel to the husky work with a husky
0: yeah it really is very it big really parallel is. they
1: got to do the work they're not just going to trust you right That's up right. front and it, you're telling me this i'm like This is a podcast about connecting things back together. It is. is.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a podcast about being connected, which is, it's so interesting you said that because the way I kind of view it is I always ask people, what problem are you solving with your business and who are you solving it for? Because if you are If you are not connected to the problem of your end user and how they experience that problem and all of the implications that it has in their life, they aren't going to trust you or they're not going to trust your solution or your solution isn't going to resonate for them. And all of those things have to come together in sort of a magical little way in order for your business to take off and for you to get that traction that, that, you know, you, you want, or, you know, you should have, you know, and it really requires being connected to the world around you and understanding all the different levels and the varying complexities to be successful, you know? And I think, some people who are who seem i'm putting overnight success in quotes cuz it's yes. never really overnight no no <laughs> we might we might only have heard about it today but that usually those overnight successes these are these are you know at least 5 usually closer to 10 or 15 years in the making in most cases and those people, a lot of the, the geniuses, the, you know, the people who just seem to like, how did they do that? How did they disrupt that? They're connected. They're, they're seeing possibility inside of problems and they're hearing where people are at and they're connecting to it. They're feeling, you know, whether it's the pain or the desire for pleasure or whatever it is. And, and they're creating and inventing inside of that space So I think it's very difficult to be disconnected and creative. I I don't know that that's really possible.
1: Right. Do you think that the rise of startups and and people just jumping in, maybe skipping steps, is related to the amount of money that they see tech companies are making, like the large ones, and they're just saying, I want to be bought out by the next big company, or I want to become this Gigantic monolith for that.
0: Yeah, totally. It's it's totally what's happened is they, they get they they see the big huge wins that are like disproportionately huge compared to any other type of business in most cases. And they're they get awed by it and they get sort of like sucked in by that ideal or that possibility, but they don't see because they're painted as an overnight success in so many cases, what they don't see. Is all of the hard work and all of the pain and the struggle and the the having to make those difficult decisions and having you know I, I mean I I can I can think of companies I've worked with who are you know several hundred million dollar year companies now, but five years ago they were struggling with they couldn't break past the five million a year point you know and they're like. What are we doing wrong? What the heck is going on? And they had just gotten very disconnected from their customer base. They weren't listening anymore. They had their own ideas, right? And and with you know, it seems like oh, they're making five million dollars a year. That's amazing. Well, not when you've borrowed fifty million from <laughs> investors right. on a promise right. of getting them to two hundred million. You know, I mean, like that's not good. So no. yeah, I, th- I think that that uh, that that connection, and then that that understanding who you are and where your place in the world is and and what's your purpose. Like what's driving you. If the only thing driving you is I want a big, you know, multi million dollar exit or multi-billion dollar exit or whatever, that why is never going to be enough to keep you on the path when you don't have the millions of dollars. It's just not going to be enough, you know, because sure. it be being a founder is a lonely journey at times it really is because you are asking the world to see something different and something new you're asking you're asking people to change right to bring it back yeah. around like you're asking for that on a microcosm until you get a level of traction where people have already accepted what you are positing as as the right kind of change and so it can be incredibly lonely and big money at the end of it someday hopefully is never going to keep you going through that journey. It just won't. So the why matters way, way more than what's at the end.
1: What do you see that is common in the aspiration for, you know, a a tech startup? What's, what's the common idea that you're, that you're coming across?
0: Mm, It's a great question. Um, You mean like from a, from a solution kind of problem? Yeah, uh, I mean, sleep- I think
1: there's a lot of prongs to this, so you take it however yeah. way you want to, but yeah, you could okay. start with that, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Well, like I said, I think I think there are a lot of people right now who are trying to help, um, businesses solve complexity problems. I think the I think you're seeing a lot of companies springing up that are looking at. Uh, government regulation and financial industry regulations and all these regulations, which create so much complexity for small, small businesses or or businesses that can't, you know, house their own legal department makes it more difficult for them to operate. So you're seeing a lot of companies spring up that are like, okay, we're going to, we're going to be experts in the complexity around compliance and regulation and whatever in a particular industry or a particular vertical or whatever that looks like. Because they, they see the possibility of if business spent less time, money, and energy focusing on the things that they can't control or that they don't really understand or that aren't in their sort of zone of genius, then they could spend more time and energy serving their customers better. And so I'm seeing a lot with regard to that, just, you know, as, as laws change and it becomes more complex to operate a business. And I mean, certainly all of this, all of the, the rise of the gig economy and people wanting more freedom and more ability to choose the kind of stuff that they work on, uh, if, you know, in shorter periods of time or whatever, coupled against all of the, the, the uh, decisions and, and laws and things that have kind of been interpreted through these uh, decisions in California um, that have affected Uber and Lyft and, and some of these other gig economy type companies. I just think people are realizing that there's, there's a broken dynamic in the field of work, how people work, mm. how people engage with an employer, how people relate to getting up and going to work every day and what that means for them and why do they do it. I mean, again, we're talking about purpose is I, I feel like there's an end to blindly getting up and going to a job because you need a paycheck. I don't feel like uh, humans on this planet are going to want to do that anymore because there's a different possibility, right? Yes. And, and it's, and, but the, the the path between where we are now and where we've historically been to that new place, no one understands it and nobody knows what it's going to look like and it's super messy. And so I'm just seeing a lot of companies that are figuring out ways to solve that. I'm working with one right now that's solving it in the aerospace industry, which is a very stayed um, stuck in the muck and mire, you know, ancient, right?
1: (laughs) Completely. (laughs)
0: Completely. And then all the way over into um, like healthcare, which is another one that's sort of stuck and stayed. And another one that I'm working with um, that's doing that in the, in the space of, of recruiting and, and like finding people the jobs and the work that they're doing. Right. And so it's just really interesting how there's this kind of convergence on work is different. Now work is changing. People want different things for their lives. And they're willing to give up different things in order to have different things. And people want a choice. They want their values and their morals and their desires to drive what they're willing to do and what they aren't and the choices that they want to make. And so, but you have all of these laws about, you know, labor laws and unions and all this stuff that that doesn't allow you to engage with employees that way, really. And so just seeing this sort of shift in how people are even thinking about the traditional concepts of work.
1: Wow. That was deep. I mean, you're going deep here. It's really fascinating, isn't it? Well, what are the biggest, in your mind, what are the biggest challenges that you feel that technology can help to resolve or help us become more efficient at as humans? Yeah.
0: I think that the, the thing that technology is really great at is consistent tasks, that have defined understood parameters and, and those parameters can even be less defined and understood now because of AI and machine learning, but consistent tasks that really don't require the ingenuity and innovation of a human to get completed. Those are tasks that are perfect for computers. And so companies that do really well are typically innovating in those kinds of areas to, um, remove the need for a human to do, I'm going to, I'm going to put menial tasks. I'm putting Mm -hmm. that in quotes as well. Um, But, but to no longer have a human take all of their innovation and all of their creativity and all of their brilliance to have to take time to do those menial tasks. Like let's free people up to live in their zone of genius as much as possible, because that's how things get created. That's how brilliance happens. That's how innovation happens. That's how real movement forward happens. And so I, I think that's the opportunity of technology. And I think sometimes it's a slippery slope. I mean, people will use that to, um, you know, I, I guess what I'll say is use your superpowers for good, not evil. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, that's the possibility of technology and, and that's, those are the companies that are going to be successful over the next couple of decades here. Kind sure. of,
1: kind of, um, this is definitely a discussion about parallels on some weird level. Yeah. It's like, it <laughs> make, makes me think about how humans can become more freed to do the things that their their creativity and their expression uh, allows them to do. And it makes me think of, you know, things like poverty and and less access to things. When people are struggling to have their basic needs met, it's very difficult to have larger ideas and yes. paint a canvas that is... Uh, more expressive or complex when you don't know when you're going to eat. And, That's exactly right. And you know, it feels like a very similar thing. Obviously there's maybe different weights to these things, obviously, but I feel that parallel, like how do we free humans to be the best right. versions of themselves? You
0: know, That's right. And, and, you know, part of being able to solve the larger issues like poverty for good, starvation for good, you know, comes from freeing up that creativity in the people who don't have to worry about survival anymore because then they can start to dive into that that problem of survival and why does that still exist and they're not using their brain power to do you know spreadsheets and number crunching every day they're using their brain power to solve real meaningful problems in the world that change it for everyone and that's really I mean, to draw another parallel, you know, my stepson is a huge Star Trek fan. That's what they did really, really well. I mean, I know it's a it's a TV series and it's it's fake and not real and whatever, but the interesting parallels you can draw between the struggle that we're in as a modern society versus where their society is and the agreements they came to and how they... Got to where they serve their their own highest good is what serves the the larger highest good, right? You know, it's just it's really interesting, and it's you know not it's not something that's going to get solved um, if the brightest and in, in you know best thinkers are having to go to a nine to five every day to make ends meet. It's just not going to happen, you know. So yeah. how do you how do you break the cycles that have almost enslaved us? to that the way things are are the way things have to be you know
1: yeah I think we're fine it's, it's all like building it's like you said like just yeah. kind of this ending and it's just kind of this end of like you know um people in the past having pensions that thing went away oh. that kept a lot of people in jobs even if they hated yeah. it
0: that's right that,
1: you know it's like oh well i'm gonna have this this uh pot of gold at the end of the rainbow type of thing that's right
0: yeah, it's and, it's almost the same as the startupper who's like, Well, I'm gonna do this because I'm gonna have the big huge exit and that's my yeah. why. It's like, yeah, that's just not gonna keep you going, you know.
1: <laughs> right. And if if that's not what everybody's getting and yeah. they're not getting pensions or not getting this exit, what is there? And yeah. you're like we're like changing our mindset of work, redefining what work means. I think we're also redefining what where we live means also. Yes. In a big way. This has really pushed people to think, do I want to live in a city? Do I want to live rurally? Do I, how do I want to, where do I want to be actually?
0: Yeah, totally. Completely, completely. I mean, and it's also causing us, you know, for, for millennia, you know, humans are a very family centered, you know, we, we, we require the support of other humans. Right. And I think through this, you know, these series of lockdowns and people being so isolated and you know, even inside of their small family units, feeling very isolated has also shifted the way some people think about being close to family or not, you know, and, and I think especially in America, we kind of got away from, from traditional family Uh constructs. And I think that's fine. You know, I I think you choose your family and whoever you choose to be your friends or, or, you know, I, I think that's more important than who you're born to necessarily, but, understanding that we are social creatures and realizing how important that is to us and having a chance to be shown, you know, in ourselves, you know, almost like a mirror where we had let go of this, this drive to belong and to be known and to be seen. And I think that also has an impact on all of this as well, because, how often, you know, the, the jobs you were talking about that have the pension and people are just going to, to get to that end point and have the pension, how many of those people didn't feel seen or valued or, or even that they, they contributed value in those jobs and in that, in that realm, you know? And, and so I I just, I think the things that are important to us are shifting because we're being shown how, how far to one side of the pendulum or the other we have we have gone without really realizing that that's what we've done. And so I don't know, it's, it's really, it's interesting. It's a fascinating conversation for sure. Yeah.
1: I definitely agree. And I think you can take it to, it's kind of almost a wellness conversation. If you look at all facets of what it means to be well as a person, yes. and you could yes. take, you could say even the same thing in, in my discipline of being in fitness and wellness and, and the whole thing for 20 years, like, I've never seen more people in the spirituality than ever yeah. now, or yeah. some version of awakening and meditation and, and all these things. And I think we're, it's that whole, we're questioning things like, why am I just, what, what, what am I being fed on TV or streaming? Like, is this reality? Is this the blue pill or red pill? Like, what <laughs> is exactly this?
0: Right. Am I That's in the exactly matrix? Right. And how do you know you're in the <laughs> matrix?
1: How can you wake up from the matrix if you don't even know you're in it? You know, what I mean, right. like you have to become aware and start That's going right. critically thinking. Like, well, they said this. Who is they?
0: Exactly. <laughs> like, people. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just had this conversation the other day, and actually, um, President Trump was uh, doing an interview with a group of uh, reporters or science reporters, and they were talking about global warming. And I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but. Sure he, he said something, you know, scientists have data and they say this. And one of the, one of the reporters was like, would you just back up? Who is the they? And it was like this whole world opened up where you're like, Oh my gosh, like who is they, when we say, well, they're, they're doing this or they're doing that, or they should be doing this or should be doing that. It's like, who, who's they? (laughs) And, And the minute you ask that question, there's a whole new world available to you because now you actually have to go digging to figure out who that is. And, and you know, this will get super woo woo and super Zen. But (laughs) when I go down that path, what I find that they is is my own limiting beliefs, Mm. my own constructs of how the world works because that's just what I've always believed. And the minute I, the minute that I get that that's been me and not someone else causing me to experience that thing or feel that thing or act that way because I need to avoid this or, or cause that or whatever it is. Now I'm freed. I'm like in the moment, no longer have to do that thing anymore. And I get to make a choice. That's power. And and so I love that you asked that question because I just was having this conversation the other day with somebody who was like, but who is the they? And I was like, right? Like, who is it?
1: <laughs> if you just ask questions of make people explain themselves, it becomes real weird after that. Because right. we're still used to not explaining ourselves anymore. It's like, well, this said this, that said that. No, no, no. Like, who said that? What type of study was it? Was it a randomized, double-blind placebo? Tell me what you're thinking yeah.
0: Or was it, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same way that when, when people tell me, uh, that their startup is the, is the so disruptive and they just know that it's going to crush it. And I'm like, okay, great. How, like who, who did you talk to that gave you that insight? Oh, well, you know, and when you get down to it, they <laughs> had a conversation with their mom, you know, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I know yeah. your mom loves you and I'm sure you're phenomenal, but she's not the
1: one, man. She's not <laughs> like, the one. <laughs> Like you're thinking they had this talk with all these, you know, people in the, in the field and, you know, you yeah. referenced all this and it was just you reading some article late at night or something. Yeah,
0: totally. To like, Ooh, Yeah, totally. I yeah.
1: <laughs> say so it, it's, it's very, and I think there's kind of this general awakening of like you said with work, like I don't have to work for a corporation. I don't have to work these hours. I don't have to fit into this box. But society keeps telling me, and I think people are trying to break the internet. They're trying to break society in some That's way right. and say, this can be done better, and and, and which makes people angry because people, yeah. hate, like you said, they hate moving off of their spot in this yes. sense. And so you're going to get right. some anger because when you're trying to break something, pe- nobody likes being shook.
0: <laughs> That's know? right. That's right. Like we said at the beginning, people don't like change. They really don't. And especially... If they feel that they're they're whatever the dynamic that they're clinging to is being threatened, right? So for some people, it's the power dynamic. For some people, it's the comfort that they that they exist in, you know, the relative comfort for some people, it's just, you know, they don't want to be awake, you know, they're no, 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 I'm happier asleep. Leave me alone. You're (laughs) making wake up over there. Quit shaking the bed. I'm on you know? cruise I mean, control.
1: Just, I want to stay yeah, in that,
0: you know? Yeah. You know? And so, so people will fight against that. And, and I, I don't think that's bad. And I don't think we have to force people to go anywhere. They're not ready to go, but I think we do, if we want to have our own reality be different, we do have to ask those questions and sometimes it's met with resistance and that's okay. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean you stop asking the question or going on your journey, you know?
1: I have these conversations, Cynthia, it's so refreshing. I mean, I have these conversations quite a bit with like different people and on here, but you can literally take that and move it into any experience. You can say electric cars, you can say healthcare, whatever it is. I mean, people, (laughs) you know, they'll fight against something they're used to having certain things. That's right. But then you you start seeing the inevitability of the change coming. And sometimes it's quicker and sometimes it's really long. And I often like to look at it as, okay, there's something here. Am I going to be the person who rails against this thing that probably is going to become commonplace down the in the line mm-hmm. down the line or or am i what am I fighting? What is the status that's being threatened inside of me that I'm so resistant to this? You know? yeah, and I think we don't ask that enough of ourselves yeah.
0: no, no, we don't because because we're human, right, and like we just said, humans don't like change. And we're all human, and so the the places where we bump up against the things that we resist and we don't want to look at, that's us bumping up against our humanity. Yes, right. And so, so the thing that you know, I, I uh, in addition to working with startups, I also um, do run a coaching program. Uh, I do new cohorts a couple times a month with women in tech who are struggling to, you know, they, they feel like they can't advance their career they're not getting the raises that they deserve or they're, you know, they're, they just can't get to that next level, whatever that is for them. And the thing that I always say is be gentle and generous with your heart because the places where you're struggling are the places where you're bumping up against what you, where you haven't been willing to look at yourself yet and that's a great thing because you are the only one who can be in the driver's seat. And there, nobody else can affect that for you. Nobody else has a say about that or control about that for you. And so it's good news. Um, but but we're human, and so it can feel really scary sometimes, really intimidating. Sometimes like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And you know, it's just we're human too. The most enlightened among us bump up against yes the edges of where we're not yet enlightened or where we don't yet see or where we're still limiting ourselves.
1: This has so. been very enlightening to me. I mean completely. Um thank you so much for spending your valuable time oh. with me. And uh started off hilarious. I know. We finally <laughs> got to the serious <laughs> stuff. Okay.
0: We did, we did. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, Dr. D. And I, I am so grateful for your invite to be on the show. And, um, I would, I would love to do it again if you'd have me back.
1: You're fun. You're a lot of fun. And I knew that when we had our (laughs) off air conversation, I was like, Cynthia is a lot of fun and fun. People make for the best episodes because it's just like joyful all the time, you know, and I, I sense that with you. So thank you for bringing that energy to the show.
0: You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure, and I'm really, really grateful that I got the chance to be with you today.
1: Awesome. I will definitely be in touch.
0: Thank you. So let me ask
1: you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis, and it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching, and finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut or the dose of news useful today. The founder and CEO Peter Nowak is a good friend of mine and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut. Stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today.